We are continuing the study of the I Am's of Jesus, in particular, I Am the True Vine. Last week, we looked at the true vine in relationship to the Israel of God. Not only is Jesus the true vine, the true planning of the Lord in relationship to the Israel of God, he's the true vine in relationship to mankind himself. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. But our text is from John 15. You can go through and read all of John 15 or the first 17 verses or so. But just a few to start our text. And then we're going back to the book of Genesis. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as... I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Hallelujah. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, so Jesus declares here so much to consider this. Part of me wants to say the summing up of all things. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And we have no ability to bear fruit but in Christ. So unless I'm in Christ, unless I'm in the true vine, I can't even bear fruit. It's an impossibility. So that would tell me mankind is in a position of impossibility in and of himself to bear fruit unto God. So all religious efforts that we have in ourselves would be void of the fruit of God. All of them. Unless we abide in the vine, we can't bear fruit. And here is where God, the Father, 
is glorified, that we bear fruit, where he's rendered glorious. And that is something I want to say much about, but it'll have to be at another time. I'm sure I will continue to comment on it in this meeting or this sharing, but that's purpose to the Christian is not just to be saved from sin. That's what we've made the purpose is to get people saved and get them to heaven someday. But Jesus said, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. There's where God is rendered glorious through the Christian. And sometimes we don't even think about that. We think about ourselves being rendered glorious. But God would be rendered glorious in us. And he's rendered glorious in bearing fruit. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. In Romans chapter 3, I said go to Genesis 1, but before you go there, turn over to Romans chapter 3. And let's read, starting in verse 20. It says, therefore, Romans 3.20, therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Why couldn't flesh be justified in the sight of God? Well, it goes unsafe for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But, but think on this, flesh could not be justified in his sight. So the law came and showed everyone exceeding that he was exceedingly sinful. But it showed him that he couldn't be justified as well. And I know I've even said this, that, well, the law was to Israel, not to the Gentile, but it came upon the whole world. And all the world became guilty before God in the law. So through the law is the knowledge of sin. But I also know through the law that I'm not righteous, that I'm not have a, any ability of myself to be justified. So I have this desire, which I believe mankind does, to be justified by God or by one another. And sometimes that's as far as the desire goes, to be justified by one another, because if so-and-so, if brother so-and-so likes me, and he or she likes my word that I declare, then sometimes that's justification enough, but not in relationship with the Lord. Now, Paul writes on, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ and unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there's no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is what I wanted to say, all sin 
okay, and come short of the glory of God. So didn't achieve it. In the word, come short here. It means coming behind. Therefore, left out, left want, wanting, falling short, failing to fulfill a goal. Now, whose goal was the glory of God in man? Was it man's goal or was it God's goal? So we could say man in himself fell short of God's goal, of God's purpose for man. That's what we could say. We go back and look at the natural man all we want. And I believe all we'll see is the pattern of him that was to come, who is Christ, who has come. But he never achieved the glory of God. He sinned and fell short of it. When you look at that first creation man, which we're getting ready to, and now turn back to Genesis 1, God set him in the garden, which we know that story. And in the midst of the garden was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And I've stated this before, and you may have heard me state this, but nowhere do I see where man ate of the tree of life in the garden. Don't see that. I see where he ate of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. And the tree of knowledge and good and evil showed him that he was unjustified. That he didn't possess the glory of God. But I don't see where he ate of the tree of life because it's in the tree of life where we become justified and where we possess the glory of God. But yet, I see a lot of Bible teachers teaching that Adam was this perfect man. Now, I believe in the, in, in the beginning, he was uh, a brilliant creation, an innocent creation, had no sin. But I believe he was created for the glory of God. He was created for Christ. In the book of Ephesians, it actually says that, that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And we can debate the foundation of the world. I could uh, say that being the world that was created, and I believe that's partially true, but the foundation that the, that the world hinges upon is Jesus Christ himself. Anyway, Man fell short of God's glory. So, so in Genesis 1, it says, And God created great wells, verse 21, and every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let us bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. 
and God made the beast of the earth after the after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and God saw that it was good and God said let us make man in her image after a likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for me. And to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the ground wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for me. And it was so. So man was created with God and he was given dominion over the earth. And we know that the dominion of God was given unto the sons of men in the earth. So man here in creation, a couple of things I want to point out here, actually four. Man was created in God's image and likeness. I want to, I want to make this point. He didn't say after his kind. He didn't say that but he said image and likeness. The word image means a vain show, a root word meaning to shade a phantom, figuratively illusion, resemblance, hence a representative figure. So man was a representative figure of God. The word likeness means as fashion, manner, similitude, resemblance, model, shape, so forth. So in the book of Second Kings 16, it says in verse 10, and, and you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read this. And Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath, Pelezer, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus, and King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest the fashion of the altar and the pattern of it. Now, this word, the pattern of it, is the same word as likeness. So, so the word likeness deals with the pattern. The word image deals with a representative figure. But the word kind deals with a sort or a species. To be the same kind, I have to be the same seed. Every seed after their kind. So God created the animals bearing seed after their own kind. And, and the same thing with the trees of the earth. Bearing seed after their own kind. So 
man does not appear to be created in the seed of God in the beginning. And I think there's a mystery in that. So he was created for God, by God, to be the expression of God. But I think all of that cannot be found in the natural man. It's only found in Christ. And that's what Jesus said. I'm the vine. Unless you abide in the vine, you shall not bear fruit. But notice here what God said to the animals and the man, be fruitful, multiply. See, see, there was the thought, even in the natural creation, of fruitfulness and an increase, a multiplication. And see, a multiplication of fruit in the heavenly kingdom doesn't just mean more Christians. I mean, that's part of it. But an increase is the substance because when you have a fruit such as an apple, and if I had an apple here and put it on my desk, the substance of the apple would be in the fruit. And it would have the seed in it, and that seed would produce its own kind. But that apple would have a form and a shape, a very form and a shape. And God has a form and a shape, and his form and shape is made known in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when I go back here and look at the beginning, and I look at man in the beginning, I see this pattern set forth to be fruitful and multiply, and everything coming forth of its own kind, of its own species. So man beget man. And the men begin to come in the same kind of man. But if I look at Romans 3, all sin and came short of God's glory. And I think man may have even lost that purpose or may have not even known that purpose of why it was created. Well, when I look in the New Covenant writing, in the what we call the New Testament, the epistles of Paul, in the book of Colossians, verse 16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities and power, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So it's created for him. Revelation chapter 4, 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So for God's pleasure, all things were created. So this is the purpose of creation, was for the glory of God. All things were created by him and for him. So, so as a 
man, my purpose is the glory of God. The problem is I can't attain to it as a natural man. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. So I enter into the kingdom of God, which means I enter into Christ. He's translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And I'm in there toward purpose. I'm not just in Christ to be saved from sin, to go to heaven. I'm in Christ for the purpose of the manifestation of the glory of God. That's my purpose. So God created me for purpose. And the purpose is the manifestation of God's glory. That's the purpose. That's the will. All things were created by him and for him. So I was created by him and for him, even as a natural man, even not knowing the purpose of God. But in Christ is the only place I can find God's purpose, the only place I can find God's will, the only place I can hear God's pure voice. The only place I can know the things of God. I can't know them in myself. And I, and I think that has to do with losing your life is coming to realize you can't even know the things of God in yourself. You can't perform them in yourself. You can't understand them in yourself. All of them are spiritually known. And spiritual knowledge is the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I look at this and I see that Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Adam wasn't the true vine of the earth. That would express the Lord. He was created for it, but he couldn't do it in himself. That's why there was a tree of life set in the mist from the beginning, because the substance that Adam needed to be the divine expression of God was in the tree of life. And he never ate of that tree in order to have the life to give God expression. But the tree of life came and was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ when he came, said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's a whole nother life. That's a heavenly life. So I've come that you might have heavenly life. And you might express this life in the earth. Glory to the Lamb of God. That's what we're here for. And for me to find purpose, I have to begin to find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can't find it in myself. Can't find it in what I might attain to in myself. I can't find the purpose that fulfills my soul. My soul is fulfilled in the purpose of the Lord Jesus. That's where my soul is fulfilled. And that's where yours is too. 
is coming into divine union and fellowship of Christ. And I do this in the true light. I do this in the true light. Hallelujah. In John's gospel, John chapter 1, Uh, before I go there, I'm going to read John chapter 12. Then we're going to probably finish up in John chapter 1. But John chapter 12 says, Thou art come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 23. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. I mean, here's the principle of, of farming. Principle of farming in the earth is to bear fruit. Well, Jesus is even the glory of that. Because the place that he's farming is not the natural earth, but it's the earthen vessels we are to bring forth a harvest of himself, of fruit to the Father. Because Jesus said of himself, I always do that, that pleases my father. Now, Adam couldn't say that because <laughs> man fell short of the glory of God. So he didn't always do that that pleased his father. Jesus said of himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So he's the divine expression of God in the earth. Glory to God. And we are brought there in him to be the expression of Christ who is the divine expression of God in the earth. And he says, unless the corner of wheat falls in the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it brings forth an increase. And, and then verse 25, if you look at it, kind of maybe scratch your head, as I, I've said in this whole setting of Scripture, because Greeks are wanting to see Jesus. And Philip and Andrew comes and tells him, he says, well, unless the corner of wheat falls in the ground and die, it abides alone. That to me, and I've said this, so if you've heard me before, it's okay. That to me is not what we would call an answer when they come to Jesus and said, hey, we want to see, you know, there's Greeks out there and they want to see you. Well, unless I fall on the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth fruit. Because now's the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. i got to fall on the ground and die in order that you can see me. In order that you can experience me. I have to die to this man, to this first man that you are. And then he comes right in there and he says, He that loses his life, his soul, he that loveth his soul shall lose it, his life. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And that's the word soul. And he that hateth his soul or his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life, Christ's life, not soul life. So Jesus falls in the ground and dies to bring a harvest of himself. Now this is in the very heart and mind of God from the beginning when he, when he says, let us make man in our image and our likeness. He's looking toward Christ chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. So he's looking toward Christ as where he's going to get his express image. 
where he's going to get his divine nature and where he's going to bring creation into it. That's where he's looking to is in Christ. And in Christ, we're a new creation and we express it in earthen vessels. Hallelujah. Not by the earthen vessels, but in earthen vessels. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. Now, this thought was in God from the beginning. When you read John 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, the Logos. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And I wrote this note. What came out was divine expression. The Word was made flesh. Or we could say the divine expression was made flesh. The thought of God was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And again, I could say we beheld his glory as the divine expression, full of grace and truth. So in the Logos, there was the expression of a thought. Part of the word means a word being the expression of a thought. And then you come on down in the definition, it means something said, including the thought by implication, a topic, subject discourse, also reasoning, the mental faculty or motive by extension, computation. Particularly, with the article in John, the divine expression. So in the beginning was God's thought. So when God said, let there be light, the thought of the light of Christ was in those very words. They were words speaking of the light of Christ. When he made man, the thought of Christ was there. So the divine expression always was. God always was. Christ always was. And so the divine expression of God became a man. To bring you and I into him. To bear fruit. To express him. See. This is what he's after, is his expression through you and I. He's not just after you and I to be saved. I've said this before, and on our way to heaven, he's actually brought heaven into you and I to be the expression of the abode of God, the heavens, in the earth. And he's joined us in order to do this to the Lord Jesus Christ because there was no way possible that you and I could do it. It was impossible, the impossibility. Glory to God. 
So here we find purpose in him. In Colossians 3, Paul writes to the Colossians. You know, in Colossians 1, he says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Well, in Colossians 3, he tells us to set our affections, look toward Jesus. The author and finisher of faith. Now, that's not what Colossians 3 says, but it's, it's of the same essence. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So he hid us with Christ in God. I, I can see in this death, burial, and resurrection. For you're dead, death, and you're hid, buried. And here's resurrection. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Because your life is Christ. And he's resurrection. So my life is him. So if I'm risen with Christ, I should seek the things that are above, for Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. So my seeking should be on the things above. It goes back into Jesus speaking to them and as recorded in John 15 where we read, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So my seeking is after the things of God. My affection is after the things of God. That I might know him in the power of his resurrection. That I might live there. That I might abide and divide. And I'll only live there through him when he appears and I appear with him. That's the only way I'll ever live there. Is for him to appear in me. Because I can't achieve this myself. And no more can you, Jesus said. None of us can. But it's through his appearing. So we set our hearts toward his appearing. And I'm not talking about his appearing way out in the future someday. And us doing the very best we can to Jesus come. I'm talking about his appearing in you and I by the spirit of the living God that we have received. That's what I'm talking about. That we can give him expression in the earth. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I believe. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I'm setting my affections for the appearing of him in me and in you. That we bear much fruit that the fruit of God be seen, because otherwise it won't be seen. All of our religious ideas will not show the fruit of God, only through the appearing of Christ and the transforming of our souls and our minds 
will we ever express him in the earth? Not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. And Jesus said what his spirit does is takes of him and shows him to you. The divine essence of God is shown in your soul by the living word being revealed. Now, what I want to say there, and I've got to study this out. I'll just share it with you, and you can study it out. The divine word is Christ himself, the logos. And what's revealed of him is the rhema. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. I I don't believe the divine word is just the Bible. I believe the Bible is the word of God. I believe it was written of men as God moved upon them. So I very, very much believe in the Bible. But I believe the logos is Christ himself. And the rhema is that of Christ, which you and I see. And the divine word or the written word is written of him. The scripture testifies of him. Because it's of God, written of God, by men, but of God. So it's a declaration of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, the divine word, is revealed in our hearts by the spirit of God that we can give him expression. Because we're branches of the vine to bear fruit of the vine not fruit of ourselves. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, and this is our purpose. This is our purpose. And I just pray, Father, that we come to your purpose, that we bear much fruit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, may the Lord just richly bless you in his divine purpose. Amen.